Psalms 135. Let's begin. We have a lot of ground to cover today. And that is no pun intended. A lot of ground to cover. Like IE, the whole world. When we finished up last week out of Zechariah chapter 4, verse 14. A standing by with the Lord of the whole earth even out of this house and you up, Lord. I magnify your name. All the honor and all the praise is due to you, Lord. For you're the magnificent one. You're the king of glory, the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell in it.
initiated us in particular Carol right from the onset with Zechariah 5.1 if you read the first words of Zechariah 5.1 it's like all of a sudden the Lord helps you to lift your eyes and look and behold and you're, it's like you get fixated fixed 
on Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith. That was in um, context of seeing Jesus lifted up on the circle of the earth from Zechariah 4. And then what I'm sensing is that if you go to Psalm 9, it's like the Lord is executing justice upon the earth. And oh, and then uh, Melinda's carrying lightning. Uh, the Lord's, you know, lightnings from the throne of God. She's carrying lightnings from being on the other side of the earth with us today. So what is standing out to me about this in Psalms 9? You know, Jesus terrifying the nations, destroying the wicked, permanently wiping out the memory of them. I mean, this is intense in Psalm 9. So as David prophesies this, speaks as the Lord's spokesman, as he says this, I just want us to recognize the wellspring of the heart of David that speaks forth something as terrifying as this, terrifying the nations, destroying the wicked, permanently wiping out the memory of them. This is intense. But the wellspring of David's heart was not, that wasn't coming out of his own heart. It wasn't coming out of like, corruption, you know, like the way someone would speak words like that out of their own heart. This is the kind of heart that David had in the verses that precedes those intense judgments. I will thank the Lord with all my heart. I will tell about all your amazing deeds, like Psalm 135. I will be happy and I rejoice in you. I sing praises. You are the sovereign one. And then he goes in to the judgments of God. But this is a happy heart. This is a rejoicing heart. This is a pure heart that David has. And then out from that came the judgments of God. Leave room for God's wrath. I will thank the Lord with all my heart. And I'll tell about his amazing deeds. I'm happy. And I'll rejoice in you. I sing praises to the Lord who is my sovereign. My enemies are being turned back. They're tripping. And they are defeated before you, Lord. For you have defended my just cause from your throne you pronounce a just decision terrify the nations with your battle cry and destroy the wicked and permanently wipe out all the memory of them let the cities of our enemy be reduced to permanent ruins 
destroy their cities and let all the memory of our enemies perish. For you, Lord, you rule forever. And you reign in justice and righteousness. You're making the right decisions right now about legal decisions concerning the nations. You're providing safety for the oppressed and safety in times of trouble. This, what is happening right now is a global, um, it's like a global 10th plague. That's the seriousness of it. Like a global Passover. Lord, release the flying scroll all throughout the land, all throughout this nation, Lord. Release your covenant document. Lord of armies, Lord of the covenant. We agree with your covenant, Lord. the covenant Lord we agree with you here on the earth of what redemption is paid for and what the blood has purchased this blood speaks a better word than that of Abel Run through the circuit of the earth.
enter into intercession with me concerning the inhabitants of the earth. Out of Psalms chapter number 51. You can pray this over your own situation. We, uh, as representatives, are standing in behalf of our brothers and sisters around the whole entire in, in, in this planet. And so I'm going to read this passage and meditate on this and pray it over ourselves this morning. And as we um, cover the earth, David said in Psalms 51. After his affair with Bathsheba, he said, have mercy on me, O God. Because of your hesed. Not because he repented right. Not because he had done something right. Not because of what he had done wrong. But because of the Lord's hesed. We start out by proclaiming your faithful love. Your faithfulness, Lord. I proclaim that any good, any good in us is because of you. Everything is good is because of you. It's not our faithfulness, Lord. It's not our lack of faithfulness, Lord. It's your faithfulness. It's your chesed. It's your love. It's your grace, Lord. It's because of your great compassion that you wipe away all our rebellious acts. Wash away my wrongdoing. Wash me, Lord. Cleanse my heart, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord. Cleanse me of my sins, Lord. For I've become aware of my own rebellion. And I've been forever now conscious of my own sin against you and above you. I have sinned. I've done what's evil in your sight. So you are just when you confront me. And you're right when you condemn my sin. Look, I was guilty of sin from birth. I was a sinner the moment my mother conceived me. Look, you who desire integrity in the inner man, you who want, you want me to possess wisdom, sprinkle me with water and I will be pure. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Grant me the ultimate joy of being forgiven. May the bones that you've crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and wipe away all my guilt. 
Create in me a pure heart, oh God, and renew a resolute spirit within me. And do not reject me. And do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Let me again experience the joy of your deliverance. Sustain me by giving me the desire to obey. Then I will teach the rebels your merciful ways. And sinners will turn to you. Rescue me from the guilt of murder, O God. You're the God who delivers me. Then my tongue will shout for joy because of your deliverance, O Lord. Give me your words. Then my mouth will praise you, certainly. You do not want sacrifice or I would give it to you. And you don't even desire burnt sacrifice. The sacrifices of God are a humble spirit. Oh God, a humble and repentant heart. You'll never reject. Because you favor Zion. And do what is good for her. Fortify the walls of Jerusalem. And then you will accept the proper sacrifices, burnt sacrifices, and whole offerings. Then bulls will be sacrificed on your altar. If you would with me, now pray over your brothers and sisters. Pray over our brothers and sisters all over this nation. Lord, we ask you for this nation, the sins of our brothers and sisters. Let a great cleansing come upon our land. Forgive us, Lord, for sinning against you and you only. We know that mercy triumphs over judgment. We ask you for mercy, Lord. Mercy's running through the circuit lines. It's lighting up like lightning. Running through the lines all throughout the nation. Sparking hearts. Sparking fire.
up into Canada and down in South America. the Siberian, the northern regions. of me, I purchased them, son. And nothing will take them out of my hand. And I see like little electrical charges of light going from city to city over every nation, every tongue, and every language. (laughs) 
nothing will take them away from him. Nothing. tells me to say this, I'm going to say it. He said, I've tossed you, I've tossed this house. Form me a government. Yes, sir. Yes, Lord. Whatever you say, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11. Indeed, this is what the Lord told me. He took hold of me firmly and warned me. He said, don't act like these people. He warned me. In the turning aside to see the one, he warned me, he said, do not act like 
And this is my understanding from him. Don't act like the covenant breakers. Don't act like those that break covenant with me. And also do not say conspiracy. Every time a person says a word. The reason why is because people were thinking that individuals in Judah were plotting with Israel and Syria to overthrow the king. Don't be afraid of what scares them and don't be terrified. You must recognize the authority of the Lord who commands the armies. He's the one you must respect and he is the one that you must fear. And he says here, he says, he will become a sanctuary. <laughs> yeah. But he will also become a stone that will make a person trip. And he will become a rock that will make one stumble. To the two houses of Israel, speaking of Judah and Israel, it says he will become a trap and a snare to the residents of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over the stone and the rock. And they will fall and they will be seriously injured. Tie up the scroll as legal evidence. This scroll is, I believe, it's the testimony. It's the covenantal document. Seal the official record of God's instructions and give it to my followers. I had Frank Dzelski call me the other night. He said that he was especially impressed with this passage and he said that when we passed under the shepherd's rod here a couple weeks ago, and he says this to me later in this text, I knew instantly from the Lord before he said it, that when we passed under the shepherd's rod covenantally, the Lord was holding out the covenant, this seal of this testimony that is being spoken of here over this house. Um, that this is the scroll that is the legal testimony of the testimony of God's covenant to his people. It's the treaty of the great king. It's the treaty document and we passed under it together corporately. We passed under the scroll. This is the seal of the official record of God's instruction to give uh, to his followers. And then he says, I will wait patiently for the Lord. who's hid his face from the house of Jacob. And this is what, three weeks ago. And I know you know this when you were in here last week. 
if you were here. But if you were not here, I would say just like what we're experiencing today, that like the face of God, not just the backside parts of the Lord, but the inner part of the Lord came in. The awe of God is among us right now. The very face of God. Jacob was, Isaiah was saying, I'll wait patiently on you, Lord. We, we did this in the Wednesday night prayer time at, at our house. That there's been a distance between God's perspective of his face and a lot of times our reality. But Isaiah says this, I will wait. You know, because we said to him, we say to him, I come under your covenant, Lord. I have purpose in my heart to be completely and utterly yours because you purposed in your heart to be completely and utterly mine because of you. That is the grace, grace message. But perception and reality had a distance and you even see it here in Isaiah chapter eight, the distance between the official record, the covenantal document, the release by the shepherd's rod over you, that we would patiently and be patient and we wait uh, for the Lord. And I believe he's heard us. The pastor said that um, he had even rejected the family of Jacob or caused his face to hide from them. But I wait on you, Lord. And then he says this, look, I am the sons whom the Lord has given me. The sons of Israel, the 12 tribes, are reminders, signs in this very house, and portents or object lessons in Israel. And so the Lord has made an object lesson even out of this house, a portent. In Israel, in the greater context of the Israel of God, God put his family in this house. All 12 tribes represented here. As a national, and he tells me, you know why I told you X2M Global? Because I will have this in every Dominion site in 70 other Dominion sites and his own, the 71st, it's in Israel. I will have my family, the family of Jacob with a name change, the name change of Israel. For you have wrestled with God and with men. You shall no longer be called surplanter. You shall no longer be called a thief. You shall no longer be called a perjurer. You shall no longer be called a liar. But you will be called a prince and princesses. And you will be called the royal family of the Lord because you've wrestled with God.
and with men and have prevailed. I pronounce this over you from the Lord. I pronounce this over you. Gad, I pronounce this over you, Reuben. I pronounce this over you, Simeon. I pronounce this over you, Judah. Over you, Issachar. And over you, Zebulun. I pronounce this over you, Asher. And Manasseh. And Naphtali. I pronounce this over you, Joseph. And Levi. And Benjamin. I pronounce this over you that you're the royal family. I pronounce this over you because of the faithfulness of our Lord. You're gonna go, Gus. You're gonna go. You are okay. 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 <laughs> you um. I'm gonna just have you come up and give a little um, debrief, Steve. If you want to come up, you and Melinda. Okay, come come up and let's do this now. Um, and and it, you're welcome to stay if you want. I know you got to go because I don't want to hold you up. But if you want to say anything right before you go, you can a couple minutes or whatever, guys. Because I know you want to say something. And I just got to a point where I could. <laughs> okay. You know, last week this was said uh, in the event about the Ugandan delegation going out. And I can't go into all the technicalities of this, but I, I, they're going to give a, a testimony to the Lord of what 
um, happened there. And I'm gonna just uh, let them have uh, the mic here for just a little bit so we can hear from them. Uh, because uh, Gus has gotta be with his family, his mother this morning. So I'm gonna give you just a minute to, uh, or more than a minute or whatever, um, to be free in the word, to uh, give us a debrief on what happened there. Thank you. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to any of you mothers. In fact, my mother is having a family gathering not far from here that I am due to be at, which is why I'm going to have to leave a little bit early. And Steve and Melinda will tell you a little more. I just want to make sure that you understand that the things that happened in Uganda last week, which were just remarkable, that you were part of, um, your prayers, your thoughts, uh, the proclamations you made were part of the power that we witnessed there where strongholds were broken down, uh, light released, people brought into the kingdom, remarkable healings, deliverances, and uh, truly just amazing, including just down to every detail, how we were protected in every way and how everything fell into place. Now we do have a phrase that we just would look at each other every time, whether we ran out of gas or something wasn't, and it was, this is Africa, right? <laughs> Nothing's gonna go exactly as you predicted, and it's kind of freeing in a way. Yet, regardless of whatever disruptions, there was never a spirit of anxiety or fear. There was never a frustration. We just figured, well, this is what the Lord intends. There's a reason for this, and there always was. Something wonderful happened, and it was so freeing just to go with that and to not carry fear or a sense of uncertainty, but a, just a sense of confidence that God's constantly working on behalf of his people and that everything is good if you're walking with him, everything. Um, but uh, there were great victories won. And yesterday, after we had, you know, had 30-something hours of travel and eight hours of time zone changes and got home late Friday night, I'm sure we were all a little out there, but I had a chance to listen to last week's event. We couldn't tune in because our coverage was not great there, which was also nice in its own way. And as I listened to the event uh, at the Collider last week, uh, but from the music and the worship to specific statements to Peter Lineker stepping up and giving prophecy regarding 72 thrones to specific scripture references such as Psalm 97, and the list goes on. It's uncanny how much what was happening at that event was representative of exactly what was taking place in Uganda each day. Um, I, the overlap, it, you couldn't explain it any other way than, than God was doing that. Uh, way too much to just say it could be a coincidence. And uh, there'll be so much more that we'll put together from it. I mean, the whole time, the, <laughs> the cloud formations and the sun. The, I mean, the story of our trip was being told in the skies as we went through there. And the, um, real quickly, last week, Carol mentioned that my daughter Josephine had a, uh, basically an attack from a dark spirit in her hotel room, and she did. And after we had sh uh, shown up for the first afternoon and been part of a great celebration and had all spoken and been loved on, and we danced a little bit too, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, 
we had gone back to get some rest and put our stuff away. Steve and I went back that night, and when we arrived at that moment, there, were, uh, there was deliverance occurring right there on the main podium stage. Um, and truthfully, that, that was new for me. I mean, I'm very aware of dark spirits. I've had my own encounters with them, but I've never been around deliverance like that. And we're talking about people who were bound, who were brought bound, thrashing, uh, flailing, who were being placed on the stage, and then others up there in leadership um, commanding for these spirits to leave these people, and they were getting set free, and it was remarkable. Um, and we spoke, and then it started happening right in front of me. <laughs> like, like, I'm on the stage, and now there are people at my feet bound and writhing around. <laughs> and I'm like, I've not been in this situation before. <laughs> so I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do here. I, but the great thing, I, was, I wasn't afraid. I had confidence in God. I knew who was in authority. And I didn't, wasn't going to just walk away while that was going on. So I just decided to kneel down and place my hands on the people who were right there in front of me. And uh, as they were, as others were commanding the spirits and the two that I was involved with just went on and on. I was becoming concerned that a, a shoulder might get dislocated or something. I mean, it was pretty violent and uncomfortable in a way. And I thought, you know, these dark spirits are not responding to these commands. And I don't know exactly uh, the how or the why, but, and it could have been any one of us here with the authority of Jesus upon us to have been in that position and what happened would have happened. But I just decided that maybe these individuals, the couple that I was involved with, had had some agreement with the dark spirit that had given them authority to stay. So not being trained in deliverance, I just began to uh, keep my hand on their back and their head um, to help, one, stabilize them, but two, I just leaned down and whispered in their ear, uh, the Father's love. You know, calling to them, you know, telling them to come back into the light, to stop agreeing with uh, darkness. And both of them ultimately did end up going to sleep. And we learned from Naboth later that they both confessed Jesus. They were fully delivered. It was amazing. Well, it was that night at that time that this spirit came into my daughter's room and began to attempt to bully her, to terrorize her, uh, and said things like, um, you don't belong here. What are you doing here? These people don't think you belong here. Your father's out there in Africa somewhere. What if he doesn't come back? You're not worthy to do here. What do you think you're doing here? All of these accusations, and thankfully, Josephine is real, really mature in her faith, and she quickly recognized those aren't my thoughts. I don't think like this. So she was paralyzed in terror, like literally could not move, couldn't come to the next door room to get her mother and say, hey, I need you. Uh, and so finally she turned on worship music and just stayed with that and that presence left. And then the next morning she came and told us what had happened in tears. And I, it dawned on me, wow, no wonder, right? Like we were right there being part of deliverance and something happened. And that's where I referenced to Carol that I was a little naive about the whole thing that um, I should have begun to tune into the idea that there's gonna be some attacks on others just based on what we're there doing. But that's okay because God used that attempt of this exposed dark spirit to basically explode something out of my daughter because the next morning as we stood in the hallway and Melinda and Steve came by and she shared with them what had happened. Steve, who just has so much, and both of them who have so much experience in the supernatural, thank goodness they were with us because in Africa it's right in your face. 
not so much here necessarily. And they stopped and Steve immediately led Josephine into a time of prayer. And she dropped into the spirit so fast from like crying and being like this demon to just in the spirit. And you can see it on her face and, you know, had a vision of, and I'll let her come to share that at some point. It's lovely, but of a cross and then gigantic hands, gigantic, gigantic hands where she was so small. And then a golden ladder descended in front of her and she climbed up into the heavens and saw amazing things, including the tree of life. And that tree of life became a theme of our trip. And when she described it, the fruit, the colors, the water, the, the roots with a golden hue that literally almost covered and penetrated, like the earth was like wrapped in the roots of the tree of life. And, uh, and then she came out of it and obviously had grown in her spiritual authority. Um, she, uh, and then ultimately, she shared that revelation at the church service uh, and at, with the children at the school and in the village and begin to lead people. Steve wisely would have her close her eyes and lead people into that vision. And people were basically eating and drinking from the tree of life and being transformed. And amazing level, like amazing amount of healing and deliverance was just unlocked. When we walked into that group of church, folks after that way. And Melinda too, because she had powerful, powerful testimonies. Jeff had prophesied that she was the lightning rod. And I'm going to tell you she was. When Melinda released things, just amazing to be a part of. And uh, uh, there's so much more to share, but thank you because strongholds came down and heaven came to earth over a valley out, way out there, no power. And they had recently had a murder. And Naboth told us later that that valley was like transgenerational, a transgenerational stronghold of the kingdom of darkness. It had been under, that it was impenetrable. And that day while we were out there participating with those individuals, and you could see it in the heavens, heaven did come to earth and begin to spread out. And Naboth told us several days later that the kingdom of heaven had taken that valley and that that stronghold was broken down and gone. Yeah, yeah. And I hope Melinda will tell you about the baby. I'll give you a medical context, but I'll let her share the story that uh, the mother came up with a baby that was completely, it appeared lifeless, but it's breathing, it's heart's beating, it's not dead. Um, I'm just gonna give you medical context. When she described what she saw, I knew what it was. It's called floppy baby syndrome, which is a known syndrome, which is debilitating and lethal. There's no cure for it. And so this mother came and presented this baby to Melinda, and I will let her share what happened from that point forward. Thank you. Um, you guys went with us, and it made such a difference. And our God is powerful, so powerful, so good, so loving. It's just so wonderful to be part of his kingdom. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much. Thank you. And we say, God is the Lord of all. That's all you need to know. Okay? Stand secure, walk strong, and the demons, they have to, they have to bow. They have to go. But that's all that, I mean, I could tell you stories after story, but the reality is, God knows who you are. He made you who you are. And you're the one that has his authority. All we have to do is step out and go with it. Um, hey, I can't see y'all out there. Um, 
before, I, it's like I have, I, the Lord caught me up into heaven during that intercession prayer. So I have to share that first because it's like, first and foremost, I can't even um, think of other things. But um, so Carol, uh, just a moment. So at the beginning of the prayer, I just saw the earth, but it was like I saw people walking like you would see on New York streets or Africa streets or China streets, people, 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 people everywhere. And I could see like um, spirits on their heads. Like I knew they were being tormented by something. But as I was caught up into heaven and I was standing by the father on the throne, when I looked like around the throne, because I could see armies and armies and armies and armies of angels, but they were lined up in like, um, like a, a army would line up like battle lines, ready for when their time came. It was like, I saw the harvest angels, the reaper angels, the end time. It was just, it went on and on and on. And they had like um, swords and posts with banner kind of things on them. But this, there was like seven or eight rows at the front. And I wasn't sure who they were because they, um, they were holding humongous butterfly nets. Like, like they were big, big round and they went long, 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 long until it went down to an end. And the father called them pre-harvest angels. And, and he called them up. He said, pre-harvest angels come. And they were like, all in unity and in sequence. And they had these butterfly nets. And I'm like, what, what in the world, you know? And the father began to talk about that the world has become there's been a vacuum of his love and it was breaking his heart. And he knows before the harvest can happen, before there can be an outbreak of what he intends in this earth to happen, a drawing in of souls by the billions, by the billions, he knows that there has to be an outpouring of the father's love because that's what's gonna break all the strongholds. That's the only hope we have. It's the Father's love, but that as he spoke, it was like the earth had been vacuumed of the Father's love. And so he called them forward, and as, he, as they came one by one, as far as I could see, he blew his breath into these butterfly nets. And, and they, were like, they were like nets, but little tiny mesh. And when he blew his breath, he was like... In the first one, and it filled with these little, little pieces of light, like, um, like dust, like glowing dust that was moving around and sparkling. And he blew in the next one and the next one, and it went um, net after net after net after net. And then he said, go, go, go with my love, go with my love. And these angels began to be like, um, Comets, you know, like you see that white thing and that long tail of white on those things. They began to go throughout the whole earth and they were dumping out this breath of the father. And when they dumped it out, it landed on these 
um, spirits that were on top of these people, like homosexual spirit, um, all these spirits, and it broke it off. And they were like, like, like they woke up out of a dream. They were like, what, what? And these things on their heads began to just penetrate and just began to go into them and into them and it reached their heart. And when it reached their heart, there began this, um, oh, like a, like a moan in them. <laughs> and it's like the eternal call of God in them began to like moan and groan, like, uh, like a, a, a response to what had landed on them. And, the, and they were free, they were broken from it because of Papa's love, the Father's love. And they went throughout the whole earth, all over every continent that Carol sent us to. They were everywhere over there until all their, their nets were empty. And they appeared back before the throne, before the throne of God. And God just looked over and he just was watching, watching as tears began to just fall down his face. His heart of love. Oh man. It's broken off those spirits. Now, now he tells us. So he, he, he like looked at me and he said, now you go to earth and you tell them to go, to go, to go into all the world. You tell them to go because they are groaning for the revelation of the Father's love. To have somebody introduce them to the Father's love. It's in there. It's working. It's doing its work. And so, can I just pray real quick? Yep. Okay. Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for an outpouring of your love. An outpouring of your love that breaks all spirits. It breaks all strongholds. It breaks all places where people have not known, where there has not been a knowing of Father's love, where there's been a vacuum of it in this earth. God, I thank you that now there is not a vacuum of your love. Your love has filled this earth. Your love has landed upon every single person in this earth. Every single person has had one of the breaths, one of those, those lights of the breath of God, his love land on them and ignite them and cause there to be like a, I saw it like it was going through their veins, like it was actually cursing through them, through them, through their whole being. So Father, now we say yes. We will go. We will go. We will go and be bearers of your love, God. We know your love like it's the best ever. God, we go. We go in your love. And I pray right now, I ask for an outpouring, an even more outpouring of your love upon us, Father, that we may know we know that we know who we are and who is in us and that we have we have everything we need to go and love the world to love the world and we're going to see right past their sins we're going to see right past the things that would stand between us and them just like jesus did when he was on the earth he saw he saw them he saw their heart he saw what he wanted what how the father wanted them and that's what we're going to see that's what Father said. That's what we've been given this morning. We've been given a fresh outpouring measure of Papa's love, of the Father's love that is now infilling us, now allowing us to go forward. Everyone we see, it's, it's like 
oh, we know a little secret because everyone we see has been touched with Father's love. Isn't that awesome? It's like we don't have to wonder, well, I don't know, I don't know. They've had a touch of Father's love. They've had an impartation of His love. So God, I thank you. Thank you so much for that this morning, Father. Thank you, thank you, Father. Oh, just breathe in His love. Ooh. 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 Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel with words without knowledge? Get ready for a difficult task like a man. I will question you and you will inform me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you possess understanding. And who set the measurements, if you know? Who stretched forth the measuring line across it? On which were the bases set? Who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars, when the morning stars sang the chorus of the Lord, and all the sons of God shout for joy. This Job 38, 6, 7 room. The morning stars of the angelic host. And the global sons of God. Behold the one, the righteous one. Behold the King of kings and Lord of lords. Shut up, shut up the seed with doors. And when it burst forth, coming out of the womb, bursting forth, coming out of the womb, bursting forth, coming out of the womb. 
bursting forth, coming out of the womb. Thank you. I was just sharing with Stephen Melinda in the establishing of the house of the Lord that was established here with Mountain Vintage um, years ago with the Scroggs family and many that have been here and some of you that were here in the original setting of this house of when we came here, Pete Lineker had sent our team a word out of uh, Job 38, 6 and 7 because he had picked up the house number that we're in. This house number here is 38, 6, 7. And on, on what were its bases set and who laid its cornerstone? And when the morning stars sang in chorus and the sons of God shouted for joy... The interest of the Lord here, even in the city, I remember coming to Steve, we were over there across the other side of that wall, a whole team of pastors. I was not myself one, but I was a student. And um, and the Lord like shows me this grid of the earth while we're sitting there. And he said the, he had put this in Steve's heart. And the government that had been in, put in him 
was so big that this house could not contain it. That what he had seen and Melinda had seen and, you know, Stephen and their family and many of you that have been here too, that have been a part of the work of the Lord was for the purpose of setting a foundation of the Lord. Even so much so that it would be to the praise of the glory of the Lord and I'm being very careful about this because I did not like, I didn't like this, you know, that where ministries would say they had all this international scope and things. I've been very careful all these years not to talk like that. Only to say what the Lord says and not to be magnanimous. Uh, um, Jeff brought out a scripture this week and it's, it's important because in Proverbs, because it says, you know, fools run to the ends of the earth, but those are, I'm paraphrasing of the Lord, the wisdom is right in front of them. I'm not trying to go out there and do this big thing because the wisdom is right there, right now, right here. And that's why Zechariah had written in Zechariah 4, don't despise the day of small things because the wisdom, the point of contact is the Lord who's here right now, not in the what appears to be small. The Lord said that he would pick out in Isaiah like a... It's, he said he'd pick out something extremely small and build a whole nation out of it. He doesn't need lots of numerical numbers to do something phenomenal. The Lord himself is the example of that. Look what he's done at the cross and nobody got him. And so God's looking for, God has a, a qualitative perspective, not a quantitative one. And I'm not saying he's not into numbers because the book was written, you know. And I'm not saying he doesn't know every hair on your head because he does. But God is after something of quality of himself manifesting himself in us. And I believe he found what he's looking for. He's telling me I did, uh, that he did, that he found something here that he's been looking for in us. And it's very special to the Lord. And all of you are a prize to him. You have no idea how much of a prize you are and a treasure you are to the Lord. Like Michael Collins sent me this from another pastor. He, said, he is mesmerized by us. And I'm sure of it. I'm sure. The mesmerization of the Lord over each one of us and the delight of the Lord over us, it has to be that that is his greatest thing going, is his delight over us. He's mesmerized by you. He's mesmerized by you because you're the pearl of great price that he picked it in the field. <laughs> He went out. He's the one who was the one in search of the pearl. And he found us. And in any ways, he's saying to me, you know, hey, look, I found me a foundation. Foundation that I've marked out. I had to do it myself, but I found me one. Job 38, 6 and 7, I found me a foundation here. And I said, oh, and he says, look at, look at verse 8. Who shut up the sea with the doors? when it bursts forth coming out of the womb. The Lord's the one that shuts it up and the Lord's the one that breaks it forth. You know? And I think it gets back at Isaiah 8 because God was uh, interested in shutting some things up and closing some things in because he has a day, he has a time. And he's elected this time. He's elected it for now, 
for all of us. Uh, but mostly, it's, it's been according to his choosing. And many of us, we've seen God by revelation and had understanding um, of his ways, and we've waited. Today is so profound. Last week was so profound, wasn't it, Wendy? It was so profound. It was epic. Jeff Manning brought me a venison bar and it said epic on it. He's like, that's what happened. I was like, yeah, epic, 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 epic. He says he makes the storm clouds his garment and thick darkness the uh, swaddling band. <laughs> I don't know if you detect the imagery on Mother's Day. You see the imagery in Job? The imagery of the mother shut up but bursting forth. You see the imagery, the beautiful imagery of a mom and a swaddling band, the maternal aspect of the Godhead. Listen, he says, I prescribed limits. I set in place the bolts and the doors. I said, to here you may come, but no further. I'm the ones that sets the boundaries of nations. You know that in Deuteronomy 32, God sets the boundaries. I want to read to you something that is from the dearest person to my heart. My wife. <laughs> so, uh, thanks, girls. <laughs> she wrote this poem, This Beating Heart. She didn't want anybody to know she wrote it. She wanted to do anonymous, but I'm, I want to give her credit. This Beating Heart. There is this beating heart that I hear in strum. It is not my own. Once I thought it was mine, yesterday then recalled, there was always both. Mine then yours, yet eternally his, the thought that forms fearfully and wonderfully echoes on. There is this beating heart that I hear in strum. It is not my own. My womb, a secret place where the image of God is woven, his heritage, my reward. Beat now, little heart. Beat alongside my own. Together speak his glory strong. There is this beating heart that I hear in strum. It is not my own. For in me, he does delight to trust his treasure in darkness until the break of day. Fear not, little heart, neither mine own. The maker is also our keeper, greater evermore to silence all reproach. There is this beating heart that I hear in strum, it is not my own. A strum, but soon a melody, a tune of heaven's majesty, 
this life engraved upon his hands. By grace, I bear this beating heart in noble humility and awe. Remember, darling, we are not our own. Happy Mother's Day. That's beautiful, honey. That's beautiful. Uh, Claire sent in a, a picture to her her daddy. It's a picture of the world. I don't probably can't see it. Let's see. Is there a way to put that up on the screen back there if I send it to you? Is excellent. I love that answer. <laughs> Jeffrey wrote, This is what had happened to Claire when the flying scroll went to her and Melinda lightened. Lightened. <laughs> it's the tree of life at the top of and the covering of the whole earth. So that maybe can you see that yet or is it, it probably takes a minute. Yeah, thank you. What he was saying, if you didn't hear Jeff, he was saying that, or paraphrase Jeff, that the scroll that is going to come out today or is, is coming out in Zechariah 5 is part of us digesting it or partaking of it, partaking of God's covenant, um, his covenantal document into ourself and, and letting that covenant be immersed into our body, much much like in the taking of communion at the end, as we close it today, we partake of communion. It's just a, a receiving of the, um, of the scroll and ourself. You know, even like the, uh, the prophet. Did it, is it up? Yeah. Okay, good. I love, technology has its blessings, doesn't it? <laughs> we can hear and we can see things otherwise that you couldn't maybe see. As, and I, I love this because we can share together as a community. Of faith and see how the Lord, um, because we don't have like our easels up here right now, and so there it is uh, drawn out. Okay, welcome to X2M 135. We're in a, we're in a series. Um, can you bring up the, uh, the monarch or the, um, the blue and the black, the overarching perspective, just so I can have it up for a minute, because I'm not sure if uh, this has been seen much recently because I haven't. Well, okay, I'm gonna leave that alone. Is that uh, is that up? Okay. There you go. And if that looks complicated, it is. That is a drawing of the Book of Zechariah, and I believe that it is a very helpful picture 
on this, some of the numbers, I'm going to amend some of it. But what I'd like for you to just notice as we've been working through the seven visions of Zechariah that we've been, if you look on, on your left there and you'll come down like the A, the B, the C, the D section, the C. Okay, we try. We came to zero. <laughs> there it is. Go back to zero. <laughs> it's okay if you just want to put it back up there. I can see it, and then we'll just work off that. So we're going through a, let's see. When you look at that, if you come down into the second C section coming down, that's where we're at in that. And what, what this is is, on your left side is the vision, and on the right side is the burdens. And what Meredith Klein found out, and because I'm utilizing his work called The Glory in Our Midst, is he didn't draw this. The Lord kind of put this in my understanding. This is what this looks like, the basic structure in Zechariah. Uh, someone was saying to me, they're like, who does Zachariah? You know, it's like the strangest thing to do a book like this in a local congregation. It's like, if you can't tell, it's a very complex book. It's not just something you can just pull off. But Klein had seen that in the A section, if you took on the far left where the seven is, and you came over here to this A section, that those numbers, that chapter number, they match with each other. And so it forms like, you're reading chapter one, read chapter nine with it. And if you take a picture of this on your phones or something, you can look at this and study this yourself. And I would recommend it because of this shape. It's very important to the structure of the book. But when you're reading, if you're going along with us, like in this, we're, we're down in the lower C section and the C prime. So when I'm working through, let's say chapter five, one this morning, you also can look at chapter 13, verses 3 and 9, uh, because there's both the vision side again, and then there's the burden side, or to bear his glory and to see. And so he's, he's going through a seeing and a bearing. Um, like earlier on, we saw the rider on the red horse in the A section in the first vision, but we also saw... On the other side, you see the one who comes in on a, uh, on a donkey. And so you got this picture of a triumphant king, and then you got a humble king. And these pictures are phenomenal in Zechariah, how they'll uh, mirror each other. And they give us a side in our um, understanding of the Lord that is balanced. Why is that important? Because, you know, a lot of the Christian faith and some people kind of get it off balance. It's either heavily, but it's ethereal, right? And we've got a lot of information that's kind of floating out there, but we don't have a way to place it into um, everyday life. And that is not our interest here. Yes, we have a God perspective and we want a God perspective, but we also want it to relate to, uh, you know, our daily life, the way life is, You'll hear, you'll hear Melinda up here um, and me, right? And she's like, daily life? And I'm like, coming out of the whirlwind. And she's like, we're going to go help these people. You know, you see what I mean? You have, you have both, and they're both necessary. And I love this about Zachariah because Zachariah is not presenting a picture that is just, um, you know, ethereal revelation. 
He's also saying, no, this matters in the way that it affects your every day. Um, John 1 says, and the word what? Became flesh, and then what? Dwelled among us. I mean, my prayer is to that even in the demonstration of this ministry, because this was very crucial uh, to us in this ministry, that we weren't having just meetings that were like, okay, we're going to come and give each other a hug, tell each other we love each other, which is all important and evidently important, but that the ministry itself is actually going somewhere with the Lord. So it's got, it's got a trajectory that's going somewhere, and that these, uh, the Lord told me, do not call what you're doing meetings. Call them events, because every time you come together, it'll be another staging event. And the previous event that we had, like X2M 134 last week, will stage into X2M 135. You can't bypass the process. You can't deviate around it. You've got to go from one event to the next. And they'll actually build off of each other. And um, what's happening in, in the book of Zechariah is, is literally, um, we were debriefed uh, this week, Stephen and I, what we are actually seeing happen in these events while we're worshiping the Lord, they are real time, real place, unpacking of the work of the Lord on a, on a national scale, local scale, national scale, and international scale. And I believe that's what Gus was uh, sharing with us. And we'll get more from the delegation, you know, that went out to Uganda and as we prepare, uh, there will be more delegations uh, that will go out, uh, you know, globally out of this house. And so that when the word becomes flesh and dwells, that we're looking for reality from heaven to translate to earth, from perspective to become God's perspective to become our reality. And again, in Zechariah, the book really almost demands that or is asking that. Um, let me give you like case in point. There are many leaders that in this nation, godly men and, and, and women, I'm sure, but I've only heard a few guys say this, but they have said that the Lord has just repeatedly put on them Zechariah 4. I mean, like in particular, that the Lord really wanted Zechariah 4 to be seated into their understanding of their ministries. And it's such a, what we went through, anointer of God's temple, the last uh, series that we just came through, is such a complex understanding in that it, it would be hard for people to understand. And I'm gonna try to just give you a real quick snapshot on what that looks like and why and what we're headed into with today's vision unpacking, which is desolator of the apostates. Yes, yeah, if that doesn't sound like weighty. In Zechariah 3, the short and easy on it is, is that God has looked for to establish inside of us a restored temple. If you wanna get Zechariah 3 down, Joshua the high priest and understand the Lord has been looking for an architecture inside of your soul that is shaped like this. He wanted a place that he could dwell. And this kind of architecture does not work on the land very well. People don't build architecture 
like this. Uh, uh, the ancient pyramids, for instance, uh, the pyramids of Giza, they were built like this, right? How could a structure support itself like this? But when God made you and designed you and placed his uh, temple structure in you, his pattern of restoration was to bring about a place that could receive him. And uh, so much of Egyptian, Babylonian, you know, most of the ancient religions, even, even so-called the Christian religion, has been attempting to build structures that are like this. And so the Lord has had a time with, with his people, mostly because to have a structure like this, it requires two things. Complete dependency and vulnerability. <laughs> and so there's been a lot of resistance to God's, uh, his structure. That's why it says in the text, it's the stone that the what? Because why? Because you can't build a building like that with your hands. You cannot, you can't bring it to pass. Nothing you do can create that structure. God says, I'm gonna come and dwell in a temple, what? Not made by hands. And so, you know, the whole self-made thing, um, American, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of thing, um, who cares kind of thing, I'm gonna throw my hands up in the air because I don't care. Either one of those, any kind of concept like that is not going to work in the building of the temple the one that's in, in us. And, um, and so uh, we go through these processes and they don't have to be terrible to us. But a lot of the suffering that's happened among the saints mostly is because we resist that architecture. We kind of want security and stability and we want to kind of do things our own way. And you understand, anybody else de dealt with that? You know, I don't like feeling completely weak and immobilized and don't know what I'm gonna do. And uh, you mean you made me that way? Yes, I made you that way. I made you like, as a person, I made you that my strength and my power would be perfected in your weakness. I'm not anti-strength, might, and I'm not anti-power. What I am, the word would say, you know, I'm not anti either one of those. What I want is I want a place that is given over to um, this vulnerability or meekness and humility, meaning I'm fully dependent on him. And then out of that, out of that, I have me a, a temple. And, and when we got up to X2M 127, I was just flabbergasted because Paul had said 127 times in the text that I may be found in him in the New Testament. And the Lord speaks to me and he says, you know, there's 127 aspects of my Christology. And I said, wow. And he said, a lot of my people, they have aspects of that, but I'm wanting you to have a full 127 point aspect of my Christology, my complete nature in you. But Paul's like, um, that I may be found in him. Over here, you know, I may be found in him. Over here, and over there, and over there, and over there, until, well, in here. Manny, the, a few weeks later, he brings me Esther, and he's like, look at this, Dad, there's 127 provinces uh, in Scripture. And I thought, wow. Because the Lord's interest wasn't just in getting a cornerstone. He wanted uh, also to bring down on that cornerstone a capstone, Zechariah 4. Can you see the profundity of the issue? 
that God, because he's such a God of order and because he wants us to be, he wants to find himself in us, us finding him in us, and let's say in 127 different aspects, you know, that he wouldn't want to just sort of shortchange us as human beings. He wants to give you the fool, the kit, and the caboodle. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to just give you a part of me or some kind of aspect of me or some other, you know, broken piece of me. I want to give you all of me. I want to give you everything that I went to the cross for. I don't want you 65% not a sinner. I want to give you no consciousness of sin. And if you don't believe it, read Hebrews. It's right there. I want to give you a consciousness free from a sin consciousness. I want to give you myself, and I want to give you my full orbed self. The Lord didn't go to the cross to pay for some uh, 10% Christianity or 10% saved. He came to pay for a full sanctified holy people, a royal nation. Here's the issue. He won't impose himself nor manipulate you. He's not an imposer on the right nor a manipulator on the left. And so his hands are kind of tied, proverbially speaking, when you don't allow yours to be. And then you say, Lord, have your way with me. And he said, oh, okay, yeah, I will. And then he does. And then we're like, leave me alone. So it's like, ah, 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 this hurts. I don't like this. Um, you know, whatever, you're making me feel really dependent. <laughs> you know, I can't seem to like figure this conversation out with this person. Uh, my finances seem to got blown all to bits. Sometimes I don't know how I'm gonna take care of my physical body. I feel kind of, you know, I don't know what to do. And um, you're like, that can't be the Lord. And he's like, yeah, when you move in faith, adversity's gonna come in your life and then I'm going to implant my word into the place where you trusted me. You're gonna be a partaker of my divine nature. Now, I, I wanna say with confidence that if you go on with the Lord and you say, I embrace, I embrace you fully to have your way with me, that he will. <laughs> And that you want him to, and you want to be the receiver of the divine nature of God. It's better than any counseling you'll ever get. The Lord will give you himself. It is a good deal. But in the middle of that, you know, and I got in this last week, and you can watch the YouTube video. He's going to be extracting out the dark triad, right? Because he's putting in the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ in you. And so narcissism is going to go psychopathy is going to go and Machiavellianism is going to go. Watch the video. I want to deal and give you my prophetic nature, my priestly nature, the prophetic in the place of your psychopathy, the priestly in the place of your narcissism, and my kingly nature in the place of your Machiavellianism. I want to transfer your speech over to speech that comes from my word so you can relate rightly. I want to restore your image with my image. And I want you to plant the heavens of the kingdom of God where you don't have to impose your will on anybody, but you can transmit kingdom life out of yourself and you have the full thing going. I paid for that. The Lord paid for that it for you and for me. All he asks us to do is to Trust him. I mean, transferring of your trust is the easiest thing and yet the hardest thing for so many of us, right? 
And yet that's the moment. And have you ever been in a situation where you, you get on the other side of it, you're like, man, I didn't even know that. I, I didn't even have an understanding of that at all. And I lived my whole life this certain way. And now all of a sudden, and it's like you're, you get blunt. You're just like, wow. And I wanna um, offer you and say, take the opportunity to let the Lord have his way with you. Because and I became convinced of this uh, some time ago that if you and I would just keep on doing this, eventually the word would implant itself so deeply into our souls that we would look like him and that we would have his full Christology, 127 aspects. And that was up to X2M 130. I believe we just did, well, X2M 129, 130, five weeks of anointer of God's temple. Zechariah 4. I think that the reason, again, why the Lord has spoke to so many amazing leadership about Zechariah 4 is because he wants this worse than we do. He knows that without an architecture like this, Zechariah 3, that he can't be a part or fully a part of anything other than that. And so he can't bring the capstone of who he is down on us. I mean, why would God want to anoint darkness? Have you seen how that affects people? Well, you know what I mean? Someone gets an anointing, and then, but they live a life of darkness. Have you seen how that's affected the Christian church? Have you seen how that works? It doesn't go well. You know, someone comes under some kind of influence, and then they have some kind of anointing of something, because anointing of God without repentance, and then what happens? You know, the, the ministry of the Lord goes forward, and the next thing you know, that guy, that gal's doing something, and, well, it's not been good. Well, I think the Lord's like not really into that at all. He'd rather you get a full Christology and then come and anoint and work through that anointing. Zechariah 4. And what could he do with a people like that? Well, it really has hit me uh, today uh, moving into this uh, last sixth vision, uh, Zechariah 5. I can say, like, personally speaking up here, I have never in my life had so much electricity and love come into my body as I have in, in these events. Today, uh, just a debrief off the first, I thought, so much love. The availability of what God would do for, the human, for a human being is just incomprehensible. And I pray that, you know, I think sometimes I'm like, I hope everybody's experiencing this right now, you. And I, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure that you can, you're feeling the Lord or maybe you're experiencing him too. I hope that you are because it's so beautiful and amazing who he is. He's so incredible. His love, um, it's, I don't know if it's like what I had read about John Lake, you know, because it, it felt like uh, last week and today, it feels like electric, electrical charging going off, like shooting through your whole body, just full electrocution. At the same time, complete sense of just the peace and serenity and the love of God. And the Lord keeps telling me this is what, this is what the provision is for my people. I meant for you to walk in this. It's me. I'm the anointer of God's temple. I am the anointer. I am 
He is the temple. He's the anointer. I build a temple, and then I'll anoint that temple. And, um, and oh, one thing, right quick, I, I, didn't, I just found this out this week. You know, there was a call out for pancreas last week. Yeah, uh, Gus wrote me about Naboth having an issue up with his pancreas, right? But you didn't know we were calling it out, right? They're praying over Naboth's pancreas, literally, Gus and Steve, while it's being called out in this room um, last week. And I'm like waiting for the pancreas person to come up. You know, I'm like, where are they at? Because I know, because the word's like, you can't even advance the meeting to the next thing unless you call this pancreas issue because I'm going to heal it and I want it uh, dealt with. And then we had Dr. Uh, Chris Miller came in with his friend Guy, and uh, he looks over at Guy, and uh, they came in last week, and Guy had had a pancreas issue and had his gallbladder removed. And he said, how could it be that the world would be calling a reference back uh, from three years ago of something that happened? And uh, so they were telling me they'd been dealing with that all week. You know, or he, he was dealing with that, asking the Lord, you know, how is it that you're referencing back something that happened to me? Because he was discouraged about his gallbladder being removed because that wasn't the issue. It was a pancreas issue. And um, what's that? To replace a gallbladder. Yeah, or to, to restore his pancreas because he's on a, he told me he's on like a fixed supplementation uh, to help him to be able to go forward Y'all that know about the pancreas, I have no idea about it, but um, that's what he said last week. I just want to say that because that came out. Now, let's look at Zechariah 5. We won't spend a terrible long time here this morning because we've already been experiencing Zechariah 5, as Jeff has pointed out this morning, but let's let's look at this for a little bit. Uh, Verse 1, vision 6, desolator of the apostates. Then I turned to look. And there was a flying scroll. Someone asked me, what do you see? I replied, I see a flying scroll 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. The speaker went on to say, this is a curse traveling across the whole earth. For example, according to the curse, whoever steals will be removed from the community. Or, on the other hand, according to the curse, whoever swears falsely will suffer the same fate. I will send it out, says the Lord who rules over all, and it will enter into the house of the thief and of the person who swears falsely in my name. It will land in the middle of his house and destroy both the timber and the stones." Lord, thank you this morning. Pray for your help in this. In your name, amen. I gotta be honest. Uh, Kara and I are on our way here this morning. I said, I, I'm a little bit in the fear of the Lord. Okay, maybe a lot in the fear of the Lord. In this vision, which is, this vision is happening post anointer of God's temple that the purpose of that is now to send out a scroll it's a flying um, edict, an edict that is uh, being sent out through the land. Now, I want to tell you why I'm a little bit concerned or I was like in the fear of the Lord because in these events, and I, I mentioned this, that are happening here, they're actually happening. I'm not teaching you Zach, the book of Zechariah. 
we're actually being immersed into the book in, even though Zechariah was written in a t- second temple context, we are immersed in the book of Zechariah in a third temple context. Third temple, I'm not saying there's not gonna be a literal third temple in Israel, but the third temple in you. It's the same temple that Jesus said, if you tear this, if you tear this temple down, I'll rebuild it in three days. It's that temple. They said, well, it took us, how many years did they say? Do you remember, anybody know that number? 48, 56? Well, it took us a large amount. How in the world would you tear this down? And, you know, it says even his disciples didn't really understand, but they knew that it was speaking of his flesh when he was resurrected. You're in the middle of a context, a third temple context right now because one of the mandates on this house besides form me a government, one of the major mandates that had been set on this house was pioneer for a glorified body. That was the word of the Lord to me with confirming signs. I've shared that story end of 2013 real fast. The Lord lets me know there's a succession coming and in between the succession of David and Solomon, a guy, Adonijah, uh, Solomon's brother, he, he goes to get in the middle of that succession. He plants himself as the guy who's going to be the new government. And in, in the middle of that, um, obviously David has said, no, Solomon will succeed me. And Adonijah said, no, I'm gonna be the guy. And uh, you know Solomon and his daddy and the rest of them, they didn't seem to really care that much about it. But when he said to his, uh, he said, bring me the Shulamite woman. Remember the story? Solomon's like he's a dead man. You're not messing with that woman. And I remember in 2013 at the end, the Lord said, I am not going to have anybody be a master over my people. Because Adonijah means my master I am. Adonijah. I am my master, or master I am. And the Lord said, I'll have none of that. I will not have the leadership. Um, Treat my people as a master when I am a husband. And I I know you can do the Hosea imagery and all of that, but he said, I'm I'm done with it. And I'm not going to have a government that, that acts in this way. And he tells me, and he said, and I'll not have it out of you. I mean, he's, you know, tossing me. I'm like, I was trying to be like, I like you and stuff. I don't know what... Why are you so, well, you know, like, be nice. <laughs> but, uh, he's really like, you know. And so what had happened is I, I, I looked up this, my master I am, and I get up this guy, his last name was Hewitt's poem, forgot his first name, and he had wrote a poem called Invictus. And you probably heard, now look down toward the end of the lines, it says, I'm the master of my, I'm the master of my fate, I'm the captain of my soul, something to this extent. And the Lord's like, I hate that. I hate that kind of mindset. I especially hate it in leadership. And um, Adonijah kind of fellow will not succeed in this new government that I'm establishing on a global scale. I will not have my people mastered over. I will not have them lorded over. My bride, I will not have her treated this way. And... um, 
And so he basically allows me to see, you see Invictus. I said, yeah. And he says, and you know the movie, right? That, um, what's his name put out? And it, it was a story of Mandela. And the Lord speaks to me and he says, I'm going to kill him. And I was like, wow, I thought that guy was like a Nobel Peace Prize winner and like for world peace and that you liked him and stuff. I don't even know anything about him really. South African president and, uh, you know, what he was about. And the Lord said, I'm going to kill him because I'm going to show you that I am not going to put up with this because I have a mandate on your ministry and I want you to know because you don't believe me. First of all, you don't realize that the ministry that you're in has a global impact and you think it's just some kind of little thing and you're trying to pastor a people and you don't understand what is, what is meant to happen one day. And he says, so I'm gonna kill him. That guy was dead three days later and that got my attention. So I started to do a little bit of studying about Mandela because I wanted to know like what kind of man was he. And I didn't know that he had committed acts of terrorism against his own people. I didn't know, and I'm, I'm not saying that I agree with what happened in colonialism. Please don't hear that from me about taking people's land rights or taking their natural resources. I'm, I'm not one of those people that agrees with that kind of colonial takeover where you're wrecking people's economy and not giving it back and things like that. I don't want you to hear that from me. And I don't even think the Lord is uh, pro that. The Lord, you know, isn't like that. But, but Mandela is like, if, if you don't partake in, the, in that day of dealing with the, the Dutch reform guys that had come into South Africa and you don't turn against them to do acts of terrorism against them, um, he was taking the lives and putting um, tires around his own people. I think it was 150-something acts where they would put tires around his own people, pour uh, fuel on them, and light them on fire. He committed 150-something acts against his own, his own race. And then, you know, I didn't know that his, you know, when they put him in prison that his central number was 666. I didn't know that he had wrote a book on how to be a good communist, and I didn't know when they tried to make that guy look like some kind of hero that as soon as he came into the presidency of South um, Africa, that the first thing that he would do, some of his administrative work, would be to, be to promote homosexuality and abortion. That he would promote covenant breaking right off the bat. He's a covenant breaker. And everybody had been lauding him and making him out to be this. Even our president went over there and got in his room. I don't know if you remember those pictures of the cell and they made a big deal out of him. Uh, after he passed away, the Lord's like, I hate anything that breaks covenant. <laughs> and I'm going to show you this. And I said, well, what, what's, what's the thing? He said, no, one day I'm going to have a succession. And then I'm going to set proper leadership in the earth I'm going, to, I'm going to set up a leadership that will not master over my people nor um, promote covenant-breaking um, ideologies throughout the land. I'm going to have a leadership that is covenant is, well, they've ate the scroll. <laughs> the word became flesh and dwelled. I'm going to have me a people. And I'm going to have you. He just tells me this, you know, I mean, I was blown away that day because shortly after, um, I'm like, I'm reading G.K. Bill's book on the, uh, it's like this thick on the New Testament. And I'm, you know, I'm just blown away by Bill and I'm 
reading like, I'm not going to put up with this in the tribe of Judah and my leadership. And I'm like, man, in the end times, I'm going to have something in my family. It's referenced in Genesis 49.1. And I don't know if you know that very well, but it's the raising up of Jacob speaking over the 12 tribes. And he says, it says in Genesis 49, in the end times. Now, I've read enough scholars now like Heiser and, and uh, Beale and Klein, and they're saying there's a work that's going to happen in the end times post the cross where God will raise up um, the family of Jacob, the family of Israel. And, and it's like it's coded within the text and set up a, a worldwide global government to prepare for him to come back. I mean, I, I want to tell you, that is literally happening within this uh, foundation of this ministry right now. That was the very thing he told me in 2013. I was sort of brokenhearted. I was losing some friends. Um, I was like, the church is, looks like it's falling apart. MZ Hop was getting rocked. The thing was just, oh, it was hard. And the Lord said, I'm, I'm telling you, I'll give you a global word. A couple days later, I said, what are you trying to say to me? He said, you don't believe me. And I said, well, I, I want to believe you. He said, I told you. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, pioneer for a glorified body. And I said, you're going to use human agency for that? He said, haven't I always? It's a body. <laughs> you know, um, I said, oh, that is the most profound thing I've ever heard. The architecture of the future is the glorification of man. You're going to glorify man. You really are. He said, yes, and I'm like, this is the assignment. And so, you know, I hope you can see today that God, um, what was happening in 2013, almost, almost 10 years later, that word is beginning to be fulfilled in our midst and beginning to head out even into Africa. The Lord had shared with me while y'all there last week before two or three days before the event, he said, you see this Ugandan delegation? I said, yes, Lord, I see you, Ugandan delegation. He said, right, because I'm going to be setting up dominion sites in this earth. Because the fullness of the Gentiles is coming in. And there are 70 other sites like this besides the one here. There's one there. And I said, why is this, why is this your plan? And trying to comprehend why this is the plan. I'm taking in my mind right now, and I'll share this with you real fast. If you don't like this guy's fine. I don't know if you do or you don't. Uh, David Hogan. Uh, David Hogan goes down into South America. He tells this story. He's a guy with a, uh, puts a handkerchief in his back pocket and waves it around. And stuff. He's a wild man. He's a wild man. He's a wild man. <laughs> but he tells a story of going down there to find the ruling principality in the region that he's at because he's looking to see you know, healing and deliverance among these people. He's praying and fasting, his wife and him praying and fasting. And they finally find uh, where it's at. The Holy Spirit leads them to this lady's house. And stationed at the door of the, of, the, of the house are two warlocks. And they're basically like saying, you can't come in here. And he's like, you bet I can. I come under the blood of Jesus. I'm going in. And he goes in and there's this lady all bent over on the floor with a spine thing growing out of her back. And over the top of her is like this, I think if I remember right, some kind of goat head. Well, Hogan goes in there and slams his head into the goat head and basically says, in the name of Jesus, like, get out of my territory. 
And uh, he goes outside and all the, the guys that work with him are standing out there and he says to them, he says, run. <laughs> run as hard as you can. And so all the guys take off running through this gate. And he says, he said they saw it with their literal own eyes. It, this fireball burst and erupt right in front of them and flies up around or something I think comes past the gate and flies over the other side of the mountain. He sees it. Like a principality level demonic. He said after that, they started to see signs and wonders release and people were being healed and transformation of lives. Why would God want to put the church in seats of dominion authority? Why? Because he loves people. They've been under an influence. Demonic influence, demonic powers, dominion power, principality, power dominions. Even Paul saying, this stuff that's going on around me in the flesh and blood, that's not what I'm in war against. I'm not, that's not my deal. My modus operandi isn't like how I'm getting this, that, and with people. My mode is, is this dominion issues and power and principality issues, that's where the war is. Because he understands authority. And you know, if, if you understand authority, and I'm military trained, both enlisted and an officer, and, you know, the centurion was as well. And the Lord says, you know, I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. He said, you know, you say the word and my servant, my guy will be healed because he understood authority. I mean, if Jesus is saying that the centurion like gets authority better than everybody else does, why didn't he get it? Because he got authority. Why is that important? What am I trying to say? What are you saying, Carol? That yes, God would want Yes, he would want to set up a global dominion site and put the leadership uh, in place. Yes, he would. Because the impact of that leadership affects everything that comes underneath it. We know this in our homes and our families, but it's the same way in nations. That, that affects everybody. We know that what Solomon did in his personal life affected everybody. We know that about David and Jehoshaphat. We know that our personal private life of leadership affects everybody. And it may be affecting everybody more than what we can see. I mean, I'm sure King Charles III is not aware of what Molly the maid is doing, but his life is actually affecting her because he has, he has authority. But you have authority. And, and maybe I think if anything that's happened with us is it's been downplayed so much and you hear someone like me talk about global dominion, that God's interested in it and say, what is he talking about? I've got to go and feed my family today. <laughs> you know, I got my felt needs. I, I told you I have a little problem sometimes with felt needs. That's why, but the Lord, he's so caring, like deal with the pancreas issue and then we can go into global dominion. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's not pinky in the brain, you know, but still. It's not my idea. I just want to clarify and say that it's not my idea. It was, it's his. It's his idea. We see it in Daniel 7, Daniel 9. We see it in Daniel 12. Um, we see it in Revelation 12 clearly that God is after the saints receiving the kingdom. We see it in Hebrews 12. I mean, we see it all throughout the text that the Lord is wanting to impart. But not like maybe others have thought it would be. Maybe it's not so much about us going out there and uh, picketing and uh, 
doing this and that and making our thing known in political sphere. Maybe it was, maybe it was like this, and I believe it is, that God would get so a hold of us and build a temple in us and, and put a cornerstone in us that he would come down and anoint with a capstone. And th- there would be so much power in that. And in your life of prayer, that it could affect the consciousness of an entire globe. I believe that. I believe that about him. I believe that's why Zachariah was saying, don't despise the day of small things. I believe that, that you, the saints of the Lord, have that kind of, that are completely committed to him, are making an impact. Yes, maybe you can't see and measure it right now, but I believe right now. And I love that we, we have you got a delegation to give some credence to. Yes, to give an objective proof of an unseen reality. That yes, that what was happening here last week is literally taking place over there. We have someone that can report in and say, yes, the... This is happening out from the house. I mean, you marvel, at the, you marvel at what Jesus is saying. You tear this building down, I'll build it in three days. And there, right there, he secured the entire earth when they put him to the cross. He secured the entire inheritance. Done, finished. Hardly anybody even knew. You know, I told him, I said, hardly anybody's gonna believe this, Lord. He says, welcome to the club. <laughs> they'll think, it, you know, you're a lunatic. You've lost your mind. He's like, that's what they think about me. That's, he said that too. He said, we're in good company. <laughs> we're in good company with a man that has been completely misunderstood. I mean, misunderstood even to this day. He's already secured the rights to the whole earth. It's his. It's like, is anybody going to recognize him? You know what I'm saying? And we do, we recognize him in our worship, but let us recognize him in the sense of letting him fully have his way with you. And let the government of God come to the earth. You know, he said this uh, to me, and I believe you can bear this out, and you can see this in Acts 3.21, that he's under a retainer. It says that. Jesus is under a legal retainer of the Father until the restoration of all things. The restoration of what things? Namely, one, that the Israel of God would come online. A restoration of government, of proper government, righteous government. A restoration in the sense that the third temple would be restored in us. And that, he shared this with me years ago. He's like, when the father sees a people that look like the son, they look just, just like him. He has this, like he's looking throughout the earth, right? With the eyes of the Lord looking, saying, looks like me, looks like me. That one looks like me. That one's got 127 points of Christology in them. It looks like me. I'm going to anoint that one. I'm going to anoint that one. I'm going to anoint that one. He gets like whatever he's looking for. 
the father's going to release the retainer and the son's going to come into his inheritance and you and I are going to be glorified. It's like penultimate, penultimate epic. The epic of all of human history. Right now, we're in the middle of it. I mean, if you think about it and marvel with me just for a minute about what's going on in Zechariah 5, um, the Lord has found him a people that he can come down with his capstone on and anoint so that he can now release a scroll to go throughout all the land and say that I, out of this scroll, the edict, that everything that is anti-covenant, I'm going to deal with it. That, that was why in the worship I did Psalms 51 over everybody, that we would pray this over our brothers and sisters because everything now from this day forward, from now, that scroll is going throughout the earth. Do not lie to the Holy Spirit. Do not steal. Don't do it. I, I believe that what happened was a people group got into the age to come. Ananias and Sapphira came in and they were in the age to come. Peter's sitting there, he's, he's on the other side of the veil. He's in the spirit of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord is exercising himself out of him. They came in with maybe good intention, but even in their intention, they lied to the Holy Spirit and their life was required of them. That's why I mean, I was telling Kara, I said, I'm concerned. <laughs> concerned that my words would be few, that we as a people would be careful. This isn't a game, this is serious business. I, I felt the seriousness of it this morning. I was like, I told her, I was like, in a time in, in a ministry that I would rather not have to preach a message, it'd be today. Because it'd be held accountable for it, we'll be held responsible. I know, and I love this. I was telling the guys this before the event started. I said, when Jesus went on the throne in, in Revelation, it says, he says, write this down and make this clear. Behold, I'm making all things new. He's so serious about this. He wants everything new. So everything is anti-covenantal. It's going to have to go. God's going on a cleaning operation. Uh, let's stand together. That Lord's going through a cleaning operation through our land. Um, we've needed this for a long time, but today, if you hear the voice of the Lord and hearken to the voice of the Lord, um, people of the covenant, It's God's life in you that is repairing and restoring everything that's broken around you. It's God's light in you that is transmitted into the atmosphere around you to be a change around you. The more that light comes into you, the more that it has to deal with everything that's not right around you. It has to conform to the message of, behold, oh, behold the Lord. 
Behold, he says, I make all things new, everything new, everything new, everything new. I feel you, Lord, on this. I'm making everything new. That my covenant is restoring everything, everything, everything. New life, new hope, a new beginning. I submit to you, Lord. Everything, everything, everything in my life, everything in my family's life. Oh, Lord. Every broken thing, every wounded thing, every hurt thing, it has to come into alignment with newness and life and joy. It has to come into what you are. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We trust you, Lord. We trust you with your covenant, Lord. Stephen saints come up for a communion we'll take it together as a family every glance I take I change and change more like your spotless bride and I'm staring straight in to your eyes and Behold 
earlier this week, I, I, this last week, I'd asked the Lord um, to give me the title for today, and he, he said, you'll call it proscription, or, or sent me to this word. It means the action of forbidding or forbidding something or banning. Um, in the day of Saul, he was giving something called a, um, a harem. It was called the ban. He, he was told to go and take out the, these peop, this people group, remember? And uh, he didn't listen. He, he didn't do what was right. And the Lord, you know, he stripped the whole kingdom from him uh, through Samuel. He said, today, you know, I'm going to take the kingdom from you. And I'm going to give it to a better man. And obviously he was, uh, you know, speaking uh, concerning David, the shepherd boy that he would raise up over there. He would raise up proper leadership. What I'm saying, I believe, from the Lord is a harem is going forth. A, a ban of, of, of a scroll, an edict, so to speak. If I asked the Lord, I said, what's another way to understand it? He said, it's like an eviction notice uh, that someone would get for not paying their rent or they were being evicted from their home for not being able to cover the charges. Um, I'm giving an eviction notice. And I'm saying that that I'm going to cause uh, desolation to places that do not honor the covenant. And he's going to start, I'm going to say this because mostly he's going to start and is started with the house of the Lord. That's where he begins. And so this is, you know, this is what's going to happen. The Lord wants to deal with this because um, he wants righteousness and holiness. When you read Remember I shared with you at the very beginning that Zechariah 13 goes with Zechariah 5. When you read Zechariah 13 towards the middle, it says that in that day that even the parents would spear their own son through if he prophesied falsely. Do you remember this? It said that they, they, would, they wouldn't want it to be among them. And, and the, the prophet says, he says, it's, it's a really interesting text, but he says, I am... Don't even call me a prophet. He said, call me a husbandman. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be characterized as a prophetic, a prophetic voice. Call me a husband. I've been a tiller of the ground since my youth. He changes the imagery from uh, prophetic gifting to farming. Because it said that, that people had wore a hoary cloak to deceive. They were purposefully deceiving God's people. This is what I mean, that the Lord is not going to have it um, anymore. Uh, he wants to deal with all that deception. He wants to get it out because it is hindering the life of, of people, not just within God's house, but it's hindering our nation. It's hindering other nations. Um, and so the harem starts uh, today. The, the scroll, the legal scroll is being executed today. But I also want to share this because he told me over there, he's like, share this. But, and where there may be desolation for others, and it's not something we want for them. We'd rather people repent everywhere. He says this in Isaiah 62, 4. And this was sent to me by uh, Kirk Bennett a number of weeks ago. And he said, for you, your family, and over your entire people, 
he said the Lord told him this while he's out there at IHOP with Mike. He said, I want this Isaiah 62, 4. It will no longer be said of you forsaken, nor to your land will it any more be called desolate. Do you see the language? The desolator of the apostate, but for you no longer desolate. For you no longer forsaken, but you will be called my delight. <laughs> My delight is in you. The Lord, he wants us to know that. It's for you to know that. That my delight is in you. And my delight is in her, it says. Um, and your land, your land married. Um, Beulah in the Hebrew. Beulah land. I'm coming home. Beulah land. I'm coming home. For the Lord delights in you. And to him, your land is married. The covenant, the covenant of land, uh, the covenant of being restored back to the land, uh, being restored no longer in exile, no longer in a sense of desolation, but restored. That's the, uh, the two aspects of this covenant, this edict, this truth that is going forward, this scroll, the flying scroll. On one side, it's desolating the apostates. But on the other side, it's calling you, my delight is in her. <laughs> and saying, I will um, cause the land uh, to be restored back to my people. I'm restoring a kingdom back to you. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. I must get ready now. 
the night 